You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and thanks for tuning in to tonight's Best Possible Taste with me, Sharon Noonan. Lots of great guests on the lineup for you this evening. I look forward to the return of resident restaurant reviewer Rachel Keeley, who we heard on her last studio visit would be doing a review in Galway in September. I visit O'Brien's Cheese in Ballyhahill, County Limerick. We find out what to expect in the September issue of Easy Food magazine and Sinead Hennessy from Fulcher, Ireland will have details about what food events are taking place during the month of September. If you want to get in touch with me, feel free to drop me an email s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org as in Queen of Organisation. So as we transition from summer to the autumn, what better excuse to ditch cook the dinner to cheer ourselves up and Rachel Keeley is here with a review of a new restaurant in Galway City. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Rachel, whenever you were here the last time, we gave people a heads up that you were going to be going to Galway and you were having lunch, so reveal where it was that you were at. We went to a pretty new place. I think it's only open since about May, uh, 56 Central on Galway Shop Street, so right in the heart of the action. Right in the heart of the a- action mm. is, is absolutely right. So a perfect venue for lunch. Yes, exactly. Um, I actually went up with um, my mum for the visit and then we brought my brother for lunch. Uh, he's a student up there, so the opportunity for free lunch was not going to be passed by by him. So it was actually great to be able to kind of see them both and, and meet up with family up there. So it sounds like this is a complete contrast to the last place that you were at, which was the Oak Room in Adair Manor, which would be a very fine dining experience. This is a more casual affair with the, the student brother and the mother. Exactly. I think I kind of brought him as my conduit um, because I'm now the other side of 30. um, And this place occurred to me when I had a look at the website, I thought... I'm in hipster territory here, so uh, I brought somebody along as reinforcements to try and uh, translate for me, and, and so he did. It's very different indeed, yeah. So tell us a bit about the menu, the types of foods that are on it. Menu's fantastic, actually. Um, it's very, very broad and very varied. Uh, they We had it aimed to go up for breakfast. Um, these things happen or delayed. We ended up at lunch, but I'll have to go back for breakfast. There's an enormous breakfast menu, all very, very appetising. Uh, f- very, very much focused on local food, um, artisanal uh, producers, uh, healthy food. They have paleo options and all the kind of dietary requirements have been catered for. I even spotted a vegan wine at one stage in the menu. So everybody, whether they're dairy free or or vegan or um, gluten free will be catered for there. It's a very, very rich and varied menu, mostly focused towards um, casual bites. So you can have breakfast, lunch, uh, probably an early evening meal, uh, possibly not the kind of traditional three course evening meal that you might expect at maybe the more older fashioned restaurants. You mentioned vegan wine there, so is it licensed? It is indeed, yeah. They've got a very big wine list, actually, and quite reasonably priced. Um, just from a very brief perusal through it, I was there at half 12 in the day, so I didn't get to sample. Um, but it looked sort of varying between sort of like 20, 30 euro for, for a lot of good bottles, uh, names that I'd recognise. They also have a very big sort of uh, wine cave, for want of a better word, um, on the floor in the middle of the diners as well, which is very well stocked. So I think it's very much geared towards being a kind of a wine bar in the evening time. Tell us then about what you, your mother and the brother had to eat. 
Well, would you believe my mum was being very good um, and uh, she's on her way back to France. So she said she'd stick to her diet, to her diet coke and her black coffee. Um, but myself and my brother made up for her in abundance. Um, because the menu was so heavily focused on sort of um, wholesome food, I actually said, you know, I'll actually indulge in something healthy for once as opposed to something uh, terrible for me that I normally do. So I had the superfood salad, um, which was fabulous really 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 satisfying uh, which aren't isn't a word that normally goes hand in hand with wholesome or healthy to be honest with you um, it was very very generous it had Cajun chicken grilled baby baby broccoli quinoa sun-dried tomato mixed leaves cubes of little pink beetroot and then uh, the most incredibly creamy Galway farm goat's cheese which was fabulous so and all that came to 11 euro Wow, mm. I think it's great now whenever there's a menu and it is healthy and it is tasty and it's filling as well. Very I much that. so. I had to leave a good portion of it behind. Uh, really? Yes. I said I need to somehow get them to deliver to Limerick and then I might be a size eight again. <laughs> did your brother not take the take it away with him for a goodie bag, or did he have something a bit more manly? Of course. Yes. How <laughs> well you know, young guys. Yeah. He um, he had to have a bit more something a bit more robust. He had the beef burger, the cheese and jalapeno burger. I think is what it's called in the menu. Um, served obviously with the jalapenos and cheese the usual salad and then um, alongside a pail of chunky hand cut fries uh, again quite reasonable 1280 for for a big portion and uh, he was delighted with it it was it was very very filling and uh, very moist and very tender beef as well which is lovely the overall bill then, or did you have dessert? We had a wee bit more. Yeah, we somehow kind of found room. Uh, we had a side of nachos. Uh, we got the small portion of nachos. Uh, it was only seven euro, but it was enormous, absolutely huge. And again, in the sort of focus on um, on local food and prepared very, very well, they had uh, prepared the guacamole in-house and also the salsa in-house. So they had that lovely, freshly, roughly chopped feel, you know, that you know that something is handmade. Uh, very, very flavoursome, very, very fresh tasting. And uh, to be honest, I barely even ate the, the tortilla chips. I just kind of ate the topping around it, to be honest. And then before we finished up, uh, we shared a chocolate torte with white chocolate saving, uh, shavings, which was quite light and creamy, actually, because torte can sometimes be on the heavy side. So it was fabulous. And together with a cappuccino, the price of the dessert was only €5. Euro. So again, quite good value, especially for somewhere so central, value. you know. Yeah, very good. And in, in, in a city like Galway that is very cosmopolitan and busy. Busy. There were so many tourists there. It was great to see um, but they could have charged far more I think and that's why they were probably quite busy there was a big varied group of clientele there there were obviously a lot of the sort of uh, hipstery kind of younger people and then there were a good few professionals in having their lunch as well so um, I can imagine it's quite popular at lunchtime you were drinking soft drinks, I presume. There was no wine. No, no. Um, again, middle of the day and driving and all the rest of it. But we had uh, Diet Cokes and a couple of coffees. And the coffees were lovely, really, really. I didn't actually find out who made them. I must go back and find out afterwards. But uh, strongly flavoured, which was nice. The overall bill, then. Grand total of 43 euro. Oh my sure. God, sure, that was nothing. <laughs> it was very, very good. It was definitely one of uh, my less less expensive reviews, that's for sure. Uh, but again, we just felt it was very, very good value, especially for something so central. Um, and even though uh, it probably would be, as, a, as an interior, as a decor, as a kind of a style, it would probably be that little bit kind of uber hipster, uh, possibly a little bit too much for me. Um, at the end of it all, at the crux of it, it was really, really good food, well presented and and at good value too. What was the service like and the staff? Were they friendly and well-trained, knowledgeable? Yeah, very much so. Uh, all very, very young. Um, my brother seemed to know everybody in there. and uh, But still, they were obviously very, very well-trained. Uh, they all wear T-shirts that say grateful. 
Um, and when I asked about it, they explained it to me. It's a little bit complicated, but in essence, it's sort of a, a way that the owners wanted to reinforce positive thinking. So they wanted the staff to wear something that had them thinking that way. So it was a nice idea, you know. And hopefully rubs off on the customers, I'd say, when the customers are the ones looking at the t-shirts. I would say so, exactly. This was they kind of read downwards. Yes, exactly. And other staff were really, really good and quite busy in fairness. They have to cover large ground. It's a very big space. Even though it's the upstairs floor, they have um, built out an exterior patio as well so I'd imagine at night time it gets quite busy indeed. That's a long day as well for a restaurant to be open mm-hmm. and doing the breakfast, the lunch and the dinner. Absolutely, they open from 8 Sharon in the morning you know um, and the breakfast menu looks so fantastic that I'd imagine there's quite a few people in there and then on Sundays I see that they have champagne brunches with DJs so they're, they're kind of going at it full tilt seven days a week so as you say I'd say they're quite busy. They certainly are and it, mm-hmm. it sounds like they're going for all the different markets that, that are there just to, to make sure that there's bums on seats at all times which is very admirable. Absolutely and I think that's what it takes I, I always say that I admire anybody setting up a business at the moment um, even though hopefully we've come out of the work of it it's still a very daunting experience and takes a huge amount of hard work so I have to admire any restaurant that's full like that on a at one o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday morning. Now you're always looking for new restaurants to review. Always always uh, crawling the walls you'll see me on Twitter generally asking anybody got any recommendations or something new that I haven't heard about. And you do that under the cover, like people don't know that you're coming and you pay for everything and you're not, you can't be influenced in any shape or form. Absolutely not. And I'm just really strict on that. A, um, obviously it's completely not allowed and you want to go in and get a proper authentic experience exactly as the customer would. And B, jeepers, the last thing I'd want is a fuss. So I couldn't be dealing with any of that, not at all. We, I book under my husband's name all the time and um, we go in kind of eat like a normal couple of wood enjoy a little bit of everything and leave and a couple of days later then I'll submit a review So if anybody has any suggestions, places that they love that they think you should go to and especially places that are new because it's great you know, to get the reviews in early, mm-hmm. how should they get in contact with you? The best way and the quickest way would be Twitter to get me up there if they can if they're on Twitter it would be my my handle would be at rm keely uh, so that's obviously rachel mary keely k-e-a-l-y uh, otherwise you can send me an email at info at rmkeely.com and you have your blog is it all up to date rachel it's not remotely up to date sorry sharon not at all <laughs> i'm finally have a bit more free time now than summertime so it really will have to be oh, the poor blogs always suffer i had this conversation with somebody recently and and much as we love writing our blogs they always seem to fall right down to the bottom of the list of things to absolutely, do absolutely absolutely i i have an editor that i care about submitting to much quicker than i care about <laughs> updating my own blog so i really need to address that but uh yeah, no. In the next couple of uh, couple of weeks, I'll be getting all the o- the older reviews up online. So you can also access them anytime on foodandwine.net, uh, www.foodandwine.net. They're all up there. Okay, fantastic. Well, thanks for coming in tonight to talk about Fifty Six Central. That's on Shop Street in Galway, and we look forward to your next visit next month. Thanks, Sharon. Looking forward to it. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. 
thanks again to Rachel and if you have a restaurant that you think Rachel should hot foot it to please drop me an email with all the details s.noonan at live.ie and I'll be sure to pass the information on to Rachel Still to come tonight lots of event info with Sinead Hennessy of Fulcher Ireland and we'll find out what to expect in the September issue of Easy Food magazine but before that it's time to move closer to home I recently interviewed Emer O'Donnell from Board Bia about the Discover Farmhouse Cheese Farm Visit campaign. When I heard that a West Limerick cheesemaker was taking part, sure I had to take a spin out to Ballyhahill and meet Jim O'Brien. Let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Jim, it's great to be here at the farm just outside Ballyhahill in County Limerick and you were a dairy farmer, you still are a dairy farmer, but last year you got into cheese. Why was that? Well, I, I suppose maybe we were looking, it was all part of a, of a sort of a family decision really. We were looking at, at ways where we could add value to our milk because we, uh, in the event of the milk coat had been being dismantled or being done away with, uh, we were looking. We we decided we might try and add, add value, rather than adding volume. So th- that was one of the reasons. And I suppose the other reason I probably had a passion for it. In uh, number one, I, I always love I love cheese myself anyway, and I'd always eat cheese when I'm out. I'd be looking for a cheese board, and um, I love every kind of cheese. So I, I started. Uh, when James took over, came home farming in 2008, I started looking at options. I had a bit more free time and he took a lot of the weight off my shoulders. So I uh, I was looking at options. I'd done a cheese making course in Moorpark with Eddie O'Neill. It was a three day course and that sort of hooked me all together. I, I really liked the idea of sort of the Gouda type cheese that time. You have quite a large herd of cows here and you're verily, your, your cheese is unique in that it's your milk that's used to make your cheese which isn't always the case that's right i suppose it's it's it was one of the, the one of the areas that we were awarded funding from muslimic resources to start the business in, in so far as we we had to basically find a unique selling point or we had to find some some reason that we could get the grant so we're actually the only uh farmers in in county limerick making cheese from the milk of our own cows which I suppose it is, it is hard to believe in County Limerick really, it's such a big dairy in County, but I can see now how it's, it's why nobody has gone into cheese production before this, it can be difficult. So you milk the, the cows in the morning and then some of it yeah, goes straight I, I, into yeah, the cheese parlour? Yeah, at, at, at the minute, so far we, we are just, because we have, uh, we, we produce a lot of milk and we only make cheese two days a week, so we just use the milk from the morning's milk, which is really fresh. And uh, I, I suppose you don't get much fresher really because we say our cheese is grass at six o'clock in the morning and we just drive in the cows in and milk them. And that, that milk is cheese by three o'clock in the afternoon. So it's, I don't think you can get a, a much faster process than that. And you make three fabulous cheeses. You make a gouda, a cheddar and a brie. Tell me about the cheddar to start off with. Yeah, well, I suppose that, that initially we intended only making... Gouda, you know, because I, I, where I learned, where I got my experience in Germany, it was Gouda to me. But then we decided, I had a great friend with me, then Jolly Doody. He was a cheesemaker in, in Newcastle West for years. And then he, he worked in the baby food industry. But Jolly, Jolly convinced me anyway to try a bit of cheddar. So we, we sat at the cheddar anyway. And, and um, 
like it, it turned out to be a great cheese and then we, we sat with a few different spices in the cheddar and uh, being realistic it's probably the process of making it is more difficult and it's a longer process but once the cheddar is made really it's it's sort of it's it's trouble free after really you know it's it's easier to to mind it and it's easier to mature it and the good thing about it the longer you leave it actually the better it gets so we we wouldn't sell any of it it's it's a hard process to get into because you have to build a stock first what is the difference between making a gouda and making a cheddar well it's it's a slower process was uh, it's, i suppose it, the initial process is the same but but then uh, you 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 add the salt you add the salt to the cheddar before you put it in the molds whereas the gouda is is reverse osmosis where the, the the cheese is submerged in a better salt water or brine water for uh, 24 to 48 hours depending on the size of the wheel so uh, once once the cheddar is made in you you compress it much more so it doesn't it doesn't have as much of the whey in the cheese as the gouda or the brie that is the, that's the basic difference you mentioned there that you went to Germany to get some experience. You love to travel. You, you've told me that in the past. And you're only meant to be in Germany for one week. That's all. I did. That, that, was, that was a, a funny one. I, I was When I finished the initial cheesemaking course in Park with Eddie O'Neill, I, um, I was looking for experience in, 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 to get in with another cheesemaker in Ireland. And uh, there's so few cheesemakers in Ireland that any of them weren't inclined to facilitate me so I suppose that they, they felt there'd be another cheesemaker after they taught me all their secrets so I, I couldn't get going in Ireland so I, I started to google in and I got in touch with a, a, a guy in England I, I said I might get experience in, in the UK so I got in touch with a Dutch guy who, who worked in the cheese industry in the UK and uh, a guy called Yap de Yonge. so he said it would be probably six months before I could be facilitated with another cheesemaker in the UK. So I said he had a friend in Germany that uh, would take me straight away. So I, I booked my ticket for a place called Witzhelden. It's it's between Dusseldorf and Cologne. It's out of the north middle of Germany. And I, I was, I got in with a lovely family there. So I went initially, I, I went to stay for a week, but that, that year in 2010, when the ashes, when the volcano exploded in, in Iceland, I got trapped outside in Germany and couldn't get home by plane. I couldn't get Ryanair, wasn't, they couldn't, well, all the planes were grounded. So I finished up staying an extra week and actually it was, it was so ridiculous thing that you didn't, nobody knew when the whole thing was going to finish. So I had to come home by by boat and uh, book a ticket from Cologne down across, down through Holland. It was a gorgeous drive in the train, down through Holland and Belgium, onto France and onto Cherbourg Dean and uh, came home by boat. So it was... Actually, we met some very interesting people on, on the way home. And you're a great person to interact and talk to different people. So I'm not surprised that that, that was a great experience for you. And you go to the markets regularly with the cheese. And that's something that you really love. Like you really are the face of O'Brien's cheese. Well, I, I suppose I'm the face at the moment. But I, I, I get a great, I suppose... I, I, I like I like talking to people, you know, I, I think, you know, and it's it's amazing when you're speaking with somebody, when you have your cheese stand in a farmer's market, that once you mentioned you're actually the person that made the cheese, it automatically breaks down so many barriers, you know, they feel, oh yeah, you you actually make the cheese. It, it eliminates so many barriers. I think people 
really, you know, they really feel happier once they meet the person that's making the food. And I think the young, the young, uh, as I call them, the young foodies, the young people now are reading labels a lot more than, than my generation did. And, uh, you know, I, I think there is, there is a, a real return to certain natural foods and natural remedies. And I, I think people are looking at, at, at the amount of ingredients that are in a lot of foods now. And, and uh, I mean, we say farmhouse cheese has basically no ingredients. It's, it has milk and rennet and, and, and cultures and that's it. So I, I think people feel really happy now that they're eating a, a local food, number one, and a healthy food. I t- I've tasted all of them there earlier on down in the facility and I love the gouda on its own with nothing in it and the cheddar. But you've actually a few variations in that, as, as you've said, with the spices in it. Tell us about the Mediterranean spices that you've started to use. Yeah, we, we started using Mediterranean spice first because they, they use it in Germany in, in the gouda. And... Uh, so that, that, that was working fine. And then when we started making the cheddar, we tried, first of all, we tried chives because you, I've seen a lot, of, there's a lot of cheese around with chives. So we started using chives and, and that was selling very good. And then we tried the Mediterranean spice in the cheddar, just a few batches one day. And uh, that, that was a great favorite altogether. And that batch actually won, won first prize in, in the food fair in the store this year, the, the spice cheddar. So we're making a lot more locally now that's selling much better than the plain cheese even. But I think it looks it looks good in the packet and I suppose uh, in general people shop with their eyes. You know, it, it, it when you can see the nice flick of, some people call it, is it chilli? But it's, it's just sun-dried tomatoes, garlic and herbs. But it has a lovely contrast, but I suppose it, it all depends on, um, on your taste. But my personal opinion is, I mean, you, you only... The real cheese comes from the plain cheese, you know, plain cheddar or plain gouda, whereas the spices, I, I, I think maybe you, you're probably masking the flavour, but I mean, people people love the spice spice cheeses and they're very easy to eat and you don't need anything else with them. One of the huge advantages of going to the farmer's markets is that you get that feedback straight away. Do you feel that that is where you do your best selling or do you stock a lot in different places around the country? Well, I, I think you, you, get a, you get a very positive feedback from sort of different communities in different areas. But when you give people a taste of cheese, because they, uh, almost almost always once people will taste the cheese, that they will buy it. You know, we're always giving out tastings. And we, we had a lovely incident in the store one day where a woman passed by and uh, I gave her a piece of, of uh, I think it was Gouda. And she said, oh, God, I can't eat after my cholesterol. So she walked away anyway, and she came back after about 15 minutes. So she said, cut a wedge of that there, if the cholesterol. <laughs> so, I mean, you can't, uh, you can't buy uh, something like that. You know, there's a great interaction with people, and, and there's a great camaraderie as well. And there's also a great camaraderie as well, Dean, with, with all the, the other stallholders in the market, you know, the people that, that make the lovely, uh, the dua, the home bacon, and you have people making chutneys and, and uh, a, a sort of um, their own uh, Caroline Rigney makes a lovely home home cured beef as well, or, uh, her own pork so it, and you said you meet lots of different nationalities as well whenever you're at the markets yeah it is it, it is amazing really that the uh, I I don't know why more I, I probably a ton of Irish people don't eat cheese at all but it's it's fascinating uh, at the farmers market with the Europeans that they'll never almost never pass without sampling the cheese or buying cheese. I was in the store one specific day now and I didn't sell a lot of cheese that day, but 
I saw it was after the races and they saw this year. I saw cheese to eight different nationalities that day, which was fascinating, really, in a small town. It's amazing, yeah. yeah it is. Well, there's lots of farmers out there, I would imagine, get up every morning and they look out and they think, gosh, what, what can I do here to improve my lifestyle and improve my bank balance, perhaps? And what advice would you give to a farmer that's maybe thinking of adding value, like you said at the at the start of the, the interview? Is it worth making the investment? Is it very stressful doing it? Yeah, well, it, it, it has been very stressful and, and, and the regulations are, are, are very stringent. And like, I suppose, I suppose people really need to look at, at I suppose they really look, look at, at what assets they have their sales for, what assets their family can bring the business. But I was fortunate, my son John is an electrician and he, he, he sort of planned out the whole cheese house with me and the cheese business. And he was a huge help. He, he took he took a few months off while we were at it. But like if we had to, if we had, if we had to cost in the labor that we provided ourselves, we all the family would be, as we said, we're good with our hands. You know, it, it was a it was, it was great to be able to sort of do all the research and, and do basically almost all the building as well. So. It, I suppose it depends in, in, like I always say that people don't value what their hands can, can provide to a business, you know, and I, I think it with the whole family, Dean, uh, James uh, and, and Marie, Dean, they freed up our time uh, while, while they're on they're the farm, basically, while we were trying to kick off this and, and, and research it. But like, it's, it's, it's not for the faint-hearted, you know, and, and you, it's it's really, it's a huge family input because, as I said, we're, we're for the last two, well, for the last 12 months, basically, we're all, we have all our shoulder to the wheel and all we're doing is just keep, keeping the business ticking at the minute, so we, we're not going into the black hit, but we're getting there. Well, I'm delighted, for one, that, that you have done it whenever I taste that delicious Gouda and cheddar. So congratulations with the award so far. I have a sneaky suspicion that there could be a few more to come in the next year or so. And thanks so much for inviting me here today. Lovely, Shannon. Thank you so much. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to tonight's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and if you've just joined us, we heard earlier from resident restaurant reviewer Rachel Keeley and just before the break I met cheesemaker Jim O'Brien at his facility in County Limerick. And if you want to find out more about the Discover Farmhouse Cheese Farm visits, go to discoverfarmhousecheese.com and you'll find all the details of the cheesemakers taking part from all over the country. And never fear if you've missed some of the show, as it will be up on the Best Possible Taste podcast later in the week, along with all the previous shows. And you'll find the podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show. And still to come tonight, Sinead Hennessy from Fulcher Ireland will give us the heads up on all the food events taking place during the month of September. But before that, my next guest joins me on the phone and it's Caroline Gray from Easy Food magazine. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Caroline, welcome to the programme. Thanks, Sharon. So glad to be here. Catherine Ledden is the guest editor of the September issue, but unfortunately she wasn't able to join us this evening. Just tell the listeners who Catherine is. Well, Catherine, uh, you may recognize her from her spots on TV3, and um, she's sometimes referred to as 
um, the Oblum's Lady because she is just the face of baking um, in Ireland. She has been working with um, Oblum's range of baking products for wow, nearly 40 years now. Um, and she develops different types of baking ranges for them as well as a lot of their recipes. And she appears on TV um, just to kind of cook up some quick home baking recipes. And um, she's always great for answering readers' questions or, you know, if she if anybody has, uh, like, baking questions or tips or anything, um, she's kind of the person to go to. So uh, more or less, she is uh, the queen of baking, and we're delighted to have her on board as the guest editor for our September issue. So I suspect that this issue has lots of baking-type recipes in, in it. It does, it does. And, um, you know, the time of year it's in, just because we're, you know, we're at the tail end of summer, but we're kind of getting back into the back-to-school um, mentality. People are really looking for just nice home meals to cook for their families, and a lot of times that involves baking. I mean, it's time to kind of fire up the ovens and get everybody back in the kitchen. So, uh, you know, what's great is as well as um, now that the kids are looking for after-school activities to do, she has a lot of really kind of quick and child-friendly recipes as well that um, kind of cooks for, for all ages can try themselves. You always have a great section, especially for the children in the the easy food issues. And I know myself now. I've uh, my eldest child has just started junior infants oh, today. Wow. Yep, the tissue oh, wow, the tissues were out. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. <laughs> and now we're going to have the challenge of having the healthy lunchbox every day and making yeah. sure that she eats it. And I think whenever you find something that a child likes you do tend to keep putting it in again and again and again you you do and and that's it's kind of a double-edged sword just because you know you can end up giving them something that they really like but at the same time then they might get really turned off by that and you know we hear from a lot of moms who um they do the same thing and as soon as they find something they know their kid likes um, they want to put it in the lunchbox but then their child might turn around and say no i hate that i don't want that ever again so what we're doing is giving just a lot of really great easy um lunchbox ideas whether it's full recipes we have a nice feature on make ahead lunches so we know that the mornings before school are just hectic to say the least so these are some recipes that can be made the night before and they keep really well in the fridge overnight um some of them can even be made a week in advance and kind of frozen so all you have to do is pop it into the lunchbox and they have kind of a nice little um almost like a pick and mix sort of uh selection of different really healthy options for their lunches um and as well we have um, a former home cook hero winner gave us some ideas for um, a bento style lunchbox which is this Japanese idea of putting um, all these really cute-looking foods into one lunchbox that your child can kind of pick from and make a meal themselves. So the issue is packed with really great back-to-school ideas for all kinds of picky eaters or, you know, very good range of eaters, but there's um, definitely something for everybody. When you say a bento box that's and a previous Home Cook Hero winner, that sounds like a Fiona Uyama number (laughs) it definitely is yeah fiona's um you know she's really expanding into kind of covering um all sorts of eating for kids from her you know real tried and tested japanese style so this is something you know you don't the recipe she has in our issue is um for some nice japanese style boiled rice and some prawns and some different uh, fresh fruits and some really cute vegetables cut into fun little shapes but it's really more the ideas she's sharing. It's just about not packing the same exact thing every day and really kind of taking even just five minutes to put together a fun lunchbox that's going to be really wholesome and nutritionally balanced. And it's then something that when your child opens it at school, it's, 
it's fun to eat with your eyes as it is when they can kind of get it in their tummies. So it really makes lunch um, a well-rounded and good, wholesome meal for the kids every day. And I should say at this point that Fiona is actually launching her own cookbook in about two weeks' time. So we will be talking yeah. to her then about that and wish her all the best with it in the meantime. Yeah. And you mentioned Home Cook Hero, so we must just remind listeners about the competition. Right, yeah. So this is going to be the uh, fifth year now for the Easy Food Home Cook Hero Awards. Um, it is basically our nationwide cooking competition. And it's open. This isn't about, you know, highbrow, fancy cooking. This is um, all about kind of celebrating home cooks and the dishes that people have passed down for generations maybe in their kitchens or just the last-minute suppers that you whipped up on some Tuesday night that have suddenly become one of your go-to staples. Um, So we have uh, a few different categories people can enter, and really, you know, it's kind of, if there's something you love cooking, chances are it's going to fit into one of our categories, so it's great to enter, and um, you can enter either online at easyfood.ie or homecookhero.ie, or we have a tear-out hard copy in the magazine that you can pick up. and more or less, you kind of you just want to enter your recipe and give us a short little description of you know what it means to you, where it comes from, and then what we do is we narrow it down to three finalists in each of the categories. And on November seventh, there's a cook-off in Cooks Academy in Dublin, and um, the finalists from each of the categories will cook for a panel of judges, and those judges will then have the really difficult task of narrowing it down to one winner per category and then we all celebrate in this great black tie gala that evening in the Shelburne Hotel um, and everybody walks away with something so it's just such a fun really you know great evening to celebrate cooking and food and just it's such a fabulous event Um, so we definitely encourage anybody that even has you know from cooks down you know as young as five years old to one of our contestants was um, in her early 80s and she was sharing a recipe from her that her grandchildren love if you have a recipe definitely enter it into this year's awards because um, you know you never know you might win and you could walk away with a thousand euro worth of prizes that sounds fantastic and of course it's not the only competition in the easy food magazine because you would have a whole page of other competitions every month we do we always have um, you know we always try to include uh, you know a good range of competitions and they're always proved to be popular so we have some uh, really fun things to enter or to win in this issue. We have a great uh, meal for two in OX Belfast um, that, you know, all you have to do is kind of send in um, the answer to any one of our questions that we post on the competitions page, uh, and then you're in for the draw. Um, we also have a whole Ackle Mountain lamb that is kind of butch. It's, it's their gorgeous, gorgeous lambs from Ackle Island, and um, it's reared by a family there and they actually send out the entire lamb butchered to whatever specifications you want um, to your home and then we also have a few goodies of really tasty hampers from the Tipperary kitchen um, from meringues to some of their really delicious chocolate biscuit cake so kind of something for everybody in this one but uh, definitely turn to the competitions page and see what you might be in for And everyone is always looking for healthy ways to cook and that's something that's always addressed in the magazine also. Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, throughout the magazine, we always include a great range of gluten-free or dairy-free, low-fat, diabetic-friendly recipes. Each recipe in the magazine is marked with our nutritional key. So you can see right away, you know, who it it can be suitable for. Um, You know, even if you're just kind of watching yourself, 
And we have a special feature in this issue, kind of um, on the back of the back-to-school theme. We have a great range of kids' meals that are safe for um, little eaters with allergies. So every one of the recipes in this 11-page um, feature is gluten-free, or sorry, it's wheat-free, uh, dairy-free, egg-free, um, soy-free, and free from peanuts and tree nuts, which are some of the most common allergies that kids experience. So we wanted to make sure that, um, you know, these were safe for kids to eat, and they're just kind of new, vamped-up versions of some of their favorites. We have a really nice birthday cake in there. We have some muffins, some fluffy pancakes. So just some of the things that, you know, some kids might miss out on if they have, if they are following one of these um, specific dietary requirements. So we just want to make it available for everybody so that all the kids can, you know, get a slice of the cake and eat it too. You also have 15 ways with tinned fish. Tell me a bit about that. Yeah. Well, it's one of these things that we always find, uh, you know, in our easy food offices, that we always have tins of tuna or salmon. And we have a few here that are really crazy for anchovies just because they tend to actually offer, it's not a fishy flavor or an overwhelming flavor, but it's a really nice, salty, savory flavor that anchovies add to dishes. And sometimes they just tend to sit in our cabinets and we don't know what to do with them. So what we've decided is because they are such an inexpensive option for people to buy, as well as really high in good fats, and they're just really beneficial all around nutritionally, um, we kind of came up with 15 different ways to use these, from basic Caesar dressings, which anchovies would classically be used in, to you know, kind of really um, flavorsome Italian pastas and quick dressings. So it's just kind of a way, when you have that tin of fish in there, you should know that it's good to use, you know, it's good for you, and you can stock up on them because they are quite inexpensive and, and they just add such a great burst of flavour and a good nutritional balance to tons of meals. It sounds like a fantastic issue, Caroline, and you must tell us before you go, what is your favourite recipe this month? Oh, geez, this is a tough one. I, I'm a big fan of curries and we have a really fun curry night feature and um, the tikka masala in there was my absolute favorite when we were testing that uh, putting this issue together so keep a look out for that it's pretty much you know you save money on the takeaway you can just make it yourself at home it is unbelievable I highly recommend it we should we should tell uh, listeners that all of the recipes are tested in the magazine exactly we have our own test kitchen here um, in the easy food office so every single recipe that appears in the magazine has been written, tested, shopped for all locally. So you know you can get the ingredients and um, we know they work 100% because we've tested them as soon as they came out of the kitchen and we can stand behind every recipe in there. So they'll work for you at home, definitely. Super. So that's the September issue of Easy Food magazine. It's out on the shelves now. Guest editor is Catherine Ledden. And Caroline Gray, thanks so much for telling us all about it this evening. Oh, thanks, Sharon. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break we heard all about the September issue of Easy Food magazine. The guest editor for this month is Catherine Ledden and I was talking to Caroline Gray there about what to expect in this latest issue. Be sure to pick up a copy. It's definitely one of my favourite food magazines. 
And earlier in the show, resident restaurant reviewer Rachel Keeley was here talking about her latest dining spot. This time she was in Galway and I was out and about visiting cheesemaker Jim O'Brien at his facility in West Limerick. You can listen to those interviews again when tonight's show in its entirety goes up on the Best Possible Taste podcast, which is on soundcloud.com and they'll be up there later in the week. Now, every month we hear from Sinead Hennessy from Fulcher, Ireland, to get details of what food-related events are coming up on the calendar. This month is no exception, and Sinead joins us on the line now with details for September. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Sinead, hard to believe it's September already? The summer just went by so fast, Sharon, but we're still keeping up the momentum on the food side of things, certainly for September. I think September is actually, if it's not the busiest month for food events, it's certainly one of the busiest months. It is, yes. Um, loads happening in September, loads happening around seafood as well, actually, um, just as I'm kind of looking at the, at the listings here. So I'm going to start off, start us off with a premier food event, um, which is happening from the 4th to the 13th of September, and that is A Taste of West Cork. Um, this festival obviously celebrates everything West Cork and what makes the area so unique. It's running over 10 days. The festival program, which I might add is 20 pages long, includes daily workshops, historic scenic walks, farm tours, home visits to the many producers that are down there, themed restaurant evenings, there's food tastings, there's wild fermentation workshops, catch and cook experiences, loads going on down there. The, the, the focus of the festival this year is guest chefs, so all of the local restaurants will be hosting a guest chef preparing a speciality meal for one night only. Um, and of course the festival finale is on the iconic street market on the Sunday, the 12th of September in Skibbereen. So it's, it's a fantastic event, one, one that we're delighted to support. There's so much in it, you really, really need to go on and have a look at the programme, but be advised that the events within it are sold out really, really quickly. It's a fantastic one. I actually had a chance to look at the programme a couple of weeks ago and because Karen Coakley or Ken Mayor Foody that does the Kerry slot here, she's doing a demo at it. And then there was another, it turned out there was lo- lots of chefs that I knew, like JP McMahon is coming down right. from Anir to, to do a demo. But also a guy that I grew up with in Balamina, who is an actor who I had no idea was into cooking. There he is on the programme as well, doing an Indian night, I think it is, which was just fantastic to see. That's it. There's an Indian night, there's a Moroccan night and everything like that. Yeah, well, I'm a bit biased in that I know a lot of them down there. I'm, I'm originally from West Cork, so I know all of the kind of movers and shakers that are down there already. So it's it's a fantastic event and there's a great buzz around West Cork uh, during a, a, a taste of West Cork. There's no doubt about it. It sounds like a fabulous event and no harm plugging somewhere that you're from, Sinead. I'm all for that, so I am all for that. I've a lot of places, actually, Sharon. <laughs> so we're moving up to Westport we are, then. We are. From the 4th, we'll take, we'll, we'll, we'll take it more intimate now. From the 4th to the 6th of September, we have the Westport Food Festival. Um, and it has an action-packed itinerary as well for, for something that's on just over, over a shorter space of time. There's something for everyone, including the little ones. So this is the fifth year, um, and it's going to be featuring the popular Food and Fringe Festival, which is going to be taking place around the Octagon in the heart of Westport Town. 
So there's live demonstrations from loads of top chefs, bakers, mixologists, um, and they're, they're also going to feature on the Saturday afternoon. There's other events scheduled, which include like a food fest forum. There's foodie tours. Of course, it's Mayo and it's Westport. There's a bike buffet. Um, there's kids pizza making sessions, mushroom foraging, and loads going on with that one as well. Actually, the headline event on the Sunday night is a great one to catch um, if you can, and that's the Secret Supper and Food Festival Rock Party. A really, really good, good, good one to go to. Okay. So that's happening from the fourth to the sixth of September. Lovely, and then over to the other side of the country. Then back down, we're going down in a triangle. We're going down from the eleventh to the thirteenth of September. We have the Waterford Harvest Festival. Um, so the, the, the Waterford Food Group actually were runners-up this year um, for the Eden Award. So there's loads happening in Waterford in relation to food. The festival itself is in its seventh year. Um, and the, the, one of the highlights is the festival market, which is going to run over three days. And it's going to be showcasing the, the amazing produce of the region down there. And actually a great part of it is the Grow It, Grow it Yourself Grow Fest which is happening in sync with it. It's got a team of grow, cook and eat and includes inspiring events, which promises to be one of the highlights this year. It's also going to be running practical workshops on making raised beds, building pizza ovens, herbs, fruit pruning and lots more going on with that one. And actually, they have a fantastic website, I might add. From a consumer point of view, just go on there. You can filter, filter it down to your needs. It's very, very, very friendly to, to, to work around. So you should check it out. It's very, very good. Okay, it sounds great. Always like an excuse to go to Waterford. The same weekend we have, um, which is the 11th to the 13th of September, we have a, a flavour of Kilorglin, which is in Kerry. It's now in its fourth year. It's showcasing the top quality Irish artists and food producers, include many of which hold local, national and even international awards for their excellent produce. It includes a taste trail of producers through Kilorglin, including local restaurants, cafes, bars, home producers, local specialists and artisan food producers. The weekend culminates with a large artisan food market, hosting a lot of quality Irish produce. Other events include a foraging trail, a junior bake-off, there's a blind tasting theatre, which I always think is really, really good fun. There's cooking demos, um, gourmet coffee and lots to do for that one as well. It's a really good one. It sounds great and very handy for people travelling from West Limerick. That's right, you can get the entire day if, you, if, you're, if you're going down there for the day. Also, actually, on that weekend, we have the Dublin Tea and Coffee Festival, which is an interesting one. This one started off last year and again it's going to be held in the RDS in Dublin and it of course is going to be it's going to delve into everything tea and coffee related so it's going to have a great mix of exhibitors live family entertainment and exciting national competitions it's going to look at from harvesting leaves and beans to brewing and artisan catering to top of the range top of the range equipment a really really good one to take in for tea and coffee lovers as well absolutely that'll be huge because it's so popular these days to find out where all the ingredients come from for tea and coffee that's right and i think there's a huge interest in 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 how uh, how it is made from the brewing process and especially on the tea side of things we've noted a huge 
consumer interest in, in tea were slowly migrating from barries and lines <laughs> into different different spaces, which is a good one. I remember years ago, my sister was living in Waterford and I was down visiting her and she ran out of tea bags. And of course, I got Tetley tea bags. That's what we would be drinking in the north, Tetley. She said, oh, no, Sharon, Barry's tea. Yeah. Must be Barry's tea. I'm a Barry's girl myself, Sharon, you know, it'll take me a while, but um, I'm slowly learning about the, the, the benefits. Actually, the UK has gone absolutely massive into the tea diversity and Ireland is set to follow suit soon although I think um, there's a lot of Barry's lovers out there that will, will hold hold fast on it. I'd say so definitely yeah. So, um, One final event in Clarenbridge. Bridge. That's right and the, that's again running the same weekend it's the Oyster Festival um, and it's been established as a premier, pre- premier me, event of top class international entertainment um, it's a week long entertainment event incorporating a traditional market day there's golf outings there's a lot to do on this as well as fine wine and gourmet evenings Um, actually this festival began in 1954 and 34 people attended the very first festival held in Paddy Burks in in Clarence Bridge Um, and of course it has grown significantly since then and it's gone on to represent all that is good about life um, and they state this themselves namely good company, good food good entertainment and great crack so a good one to take in as well Yeah it sounds lovely so it does Which is your favourite out of all of them do I need to ask Sinead? Oh I'm going to stick with my home event and that would be a taste of West Cork the challenge with a taste of West Cork although is picking which to go to so which which many events to, to, to take in there's so much going on it's fantastic yeah that's a challenge in itself that's right now before you go you have an event in Limerick that you want to tell us about I do actually um, this is a food story workshop that we're going to be running in Strand Hotel on the 9th of September the workshop is for marketing managers food business owners and people who write content for food websites and that sort of thing. Anybody who works on social media um, and has a food element to that as well. So the, the workshop is going to provide practical tips and advice on how to write your own food story and how to use that story both in your marketing and its delivery to your customers in the ground. I think, you know, we're showcasing Ireland's food story and I think we're trying to whittle it down and get individual food stories with businesses um, so if you're interested in learning more about the workshop or indeed attending it um, we'd be delighted to have you um, you can get, get more information from myself um, my email is Sinead S-I-N-E-A-D dot Hennessy at faultyireland.ie and that's a free workshop it is a free workshop has this taken place in other parts of the country already it has, it has. It has taken place, I, it has taken place nationally. So we've done a few up on the northwest. We've done a few down in the east. Dublin is going to be happening in September. We have about 14 scheduled nationally for the end of this year. But the Limerick one in particular is happening on the 9th of September. This is something that your predecessor, Helen McDeed, would have talked about last year on the show. That's right. But we're still, I suppose, 
what Fulger Ireland has, have been trying to do or what we have been doing is we have adopted Ireland's food story which is a resonating message um, that we are sending overseas to our international visitors to I suppose tell them what is so special about Ireland and its food and it's now about getting the on the ground operators to adopt the same messaging and tell their own food story as well so that's what we're we're keen to 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 do the end of this year yeah, because marketing is hugely important in any business, but unfortunately, it's sometimes uh, an area that people either don't have the resources to put in, be it financial or human. So to go along to something like this, it's only three hours, but you'll three learn hours. so much in the three hours. There, there's loads and it's quite practical as well. There'll be experts there that will help you to identify your food story and and. You know, it's one of these things where every business, every food producer, every restaurant, every cafe has its own unique story. Um, and only the business owners can tell that story. So, you know, it really, the, from the workshops that we've run so far this year, it has really, really um, been, been very, very well received by the industry in that they were given a form to write their own food story and tell their own food story. There's also a toolkit online which you'll be, um, I suppose, referred to throughout the workshop and, and assisted in its use. So it makes it very easy, makes it very doable for, for small business operators to adopt. And I also feel that an event of this nature is a great networking opportunity to get to meet some other fellow artisan food producers or people just in the food industry. That's right. Um, amazingly, I sat in on a couple of these workshops and that was one of the, the, the outstanding things um, when feedback was given at the end. The amount of people who, I mean, if, if you say, for example, a restaurant is featuring a, a, a particular producer on their menu, they may be in the room with that producer, but they may not know that producer's story. Um, you know, there's, there's a huge benefit in that as well, in, in, in learning about you know, where where the businesses come from, the people behind the businesses, it really, really helps to, I suppose, amplify the message to consumers then. So it's a, it's a huge, there's a huge networking element to it as well. Okay, fantastic. Well, thanks for telling us all about that, Sinead, and of course, for telling us about the events that are taking place during August. People can find out details of all of those on the discoverireland.ie forward slash food website. That's right. And we shall talk to you again next month. Thanks, Sharon. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Great as always to talk to Sinead. And don't forget to log on to discoverireland.ie forward slash food for further details on the events highlighted. And if you have an event coming up, it might be a coffee morning, a fundraiser, anything food or drink related, be sure to send me details, s.noonan at live.ie and I'll give it a shout out here on the best possible taste. And that sadly brings us to the end of tonight's show. Thanks for joining me and thanks of course to all of tonight's guests, Rachel Keeley, Jim O'Brien, Caroline Gray and Sinead Hennessy. A final reminder that the best possible taste podcast is online at soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show. I'll be back at the same time next week, all being well. Until then, have a great week and bon appétit. 
Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!